0: welcome to the pac-man podcast patriotic american citizen i'm ted flint on the bmg network happy saint patrick's day as you're listening to this it is saint patty's day as i record this it's thursday we were without power here for a couple of days at the flint household in upstate new york in cambridge beautiful cambridge in washington county we got dumped with 22 inches of snow most people got eight inches 10 inches a foot we got the jackpot up here in the uh Higher elevations, high winds, knocked out power. We didn't get get it back till eleven o'clock last night, so we had to cook our meals in the wood stove. Thank God we have a wood stove, and uh, we had to rough it for a couple of days. No hot water, no no toilets, but things are back to normal. Life is good again, and it was good without without the power. Frankly, we kind of reconnected as a family, as we, we were connected anyway. But the, the girls didn't have their their devices you know the uh, we had no internet no fios it was it was nice i, I enjoyed it anyway let's talk about this uh, we have two main things i want to discuss here on this uh, on this podcast one is the the failure of svb bank it's the 10th largest bank or was 10th largest bank in the country and i think a lot of the chickens have come home to roost you know this administration and it's not the only administration prior administrations both democrat and republican have spent money like it's like it's going out of style, like it's being printed, and it is, and that's the problem. Record debt, massive new spending, you know, Biden's COVID relief initiative and whatever he called it, and the failure of regulators to see what was coming, I think, all contributed to the run on SVB. And you know, five years ago, President Trump signed the biggest rollback of Dodd-Frank the banking regulations since the global crisis financial crisis of 08 that loosened the, the rules on all but the largest banks and it opened taxpayers to more liability if the financial system collapses that's how cnbc put it now let's hope that doesn't happen you know at first treasury secretary janet yellen said there would be no taxpayer bailout but that quickly changed she walked that back after the administration you know which has been trying to convince us the economy is buzzing along nicely it's not they likely began to consider, as Cal Thomas wrote uh, this week, that they, they considered the po- political implications of this, and possibly other bank failures. And they threw a lifeline to the bank. The lifeline being the American taxpayer. We supply the lifeline for these for these banks. And another bank in New York went under. The uh, Signature Bank in New York City. So two big banks went under this week. Now, is it a you know is it a precursor of things to come? I I hope it's not an omen. Of things to come. I'm, I'm not going to panic. I'm not going to take my money out of my bank. If every American does that, then there will be a problem. And I'm not going to sit here and try to tell you that I'm a, an expert on financial issues. I'm not. I, I've never made enough money where it mattered. But, you know, the Wall Street Journal, one of their editorialists had it right. And I'll read you what it's, it's one paragraph. The Wall Street Journal says, you can't run the most reckless monetary and fiscal experiment in history without the bill eventually coming due. The first invoice arrived as inflation. The second has come as a financial panic with economic damage that may not end with Silicon Valley Bank. Let's hope it does. Let's hope it does. All right, the other thing I want to discuss, the other main thing I want to jump around a little bit here, is the situation in the Ukraine. Now, I've talked about this briefly on other podcasts. I'm not a fan of us getting involved in that conflict. Uh, Ron DeSantis was right when he said it's a territorial dispute. Russia has been in the Ukraine for decades, possibly going back more than 200 years, certainly in the Crimea for 250 years. We should be very careful about how we proceed with aiding uh, Ukraine, maybe give them money. And we've supplied some military hardware. I guess we're going to supply tanks to them, Abrams tanks. But Poland is now going to supply them with uh, fighter jets. Poland is the first NATO country in that region to be supplying military hardware. Now, Russia has said for a long time that it does not want the Ukraine to join NATO. This administration and prior administrations, not Trump, but other Republican administrations were hell-bent on getting Ukraine as part of NATO. And Russia says that's not going to happen. Why are we intent on angering Russia? I know they shot down an unarmed U.S. drone over the Black Sea. I don't know if they shot it down, they took it down, ran into it or whatever. And uh, and a lot of the war party, uh, Lindsey Graham came out over the weekend and said, we should shoot down Russian jets. Is that right? Now, what would we have to gain by that? Does that make us safer? Most American citizens do not want to engage in a shooting war with Russia, the foremost nuclear power in the world. They have 6,000 nuclear weapons. Roughly 6,000. Why would we want to, uh, you know, start trouble with them? You know, as far as Ukraine goes, Tucker Carlson was on this week, and he said that U.S. taxpayers are funding the Ukrainian pension system. Did you know that? I didn't know that. We're funding Ukrainians' pension system while our banks collapse. Does that make sense to you? This is the Biden administration. Just give our money away. Just like it's being printed. Of course it is. Every single, back to the uh, Lindsey Graham comment, all Republican presidential candidates oppose a hot war with Russia, as anybody with a half a brain would. It is a territorial dispute. And we don't need to be lectured, as we've been for the last two plus years by these Democrats, about democracy. We don't need to be lectured on what a democracy is and any threat to democracy. But every GOP candidate for president has taken a position simpatico with the American people. That's democracy in action. So we don't need to be lectured on what democracy is by these Democrats. You know, the Biden administration, instead of trying to get involved in the Ukrainian war, should be trying to make America's economy strong again, as Reagan did, as Trump did. Keep America economically strong. That's the best way we can help not just Ukraine, but we should be helping Americans first put America first. How does getting involved in the Ukrainian war make Americans safer? It doesn't. It could start World War III, but this idiot in Washington has no clue. Not a clue what he's doing. I'm going to skip around here a little bit. I was reading a piece by uh, Nikki Haley, who's running for president as a Republican. She wrote a column in the New York Post last week, and I couldn't believe... I, I know we give money away like it's growing on trees. We give billions of dollars away, 46 billion in foreign aid last year. I'll give you some of the examples of countries we sent money to, your money, my money, a billion dollars over the last few years to Iraq, even though its government is getting closer to the murderous thugs in Iran who shout death to America, and they launch attacks on our troops. We're giving money to Iraq. The Biden administration has resumed military aid to Pakistan, though it's home to at least a dozen terrorist organizations, and its government is deeply in hock to red China. Team Biden also restored a half a billion dollars to a corrupt UN agency that's supposed to be helping the Palestinian people, but in fact covers for deeply anti-Semitic propaganda against Israel. It's no surprise there. The UN hates Israel. The world hates Israel. That's why we need to stand behind Israel. Always. We give hundreds of millions of dollars of taxpayer money the government does to Zimbabwe, a country with one of the most anti-American voting records in the U.N. American taxpayers give money to communist China for ridiculous environmental programs that China ignores. Money just down the drain. Obviously, China poses a threat to America and to Americans, Why are we giving money to China? Why are we giving money to Belarus, which is Russia's, Putin's uh, closest ally? We give money to communist Cuba, a a nation our country has designated as a state sponsor of terrorism. I mean, it's not just Biden. Republicans have done it as well at Republican administrations. We just give away money like like it's growing on trees. That's what they do here in New York state. Democrats who run this state into the ground, these idiots. In the Assembly, it's Carl Hasty. In the Senate, it's Andrea Cousins. I'm reading in the New York Post. We pay our legislators $142,000 a year, state legislators. That's the highest in the country. They are the highest paid lawmakers in the country. Now they can work remotely under extraordinary circumstances. Who gets to decide what's extraordinary? Well, in the state Senate, it's cousins. In the Assembly, it's Carl Hasty. They get to decide. Why don't I get to decide? Maybe I could do my job remotely instead of driving 35 miles one way. I could do radio and TV shows remotely. We have the capability, but I got to be in my seat in my office. They don't have to. Democrats get to define what's extraordinary circumstances, and they have a history of using remote sessions to literally mute Republican voices. That's what Senator Mark Walsick said, former assemblyman from the North Country, and he's right. They get to call all the shots. I mean, when is it going to end with these people? They vote themselves a pay raise. Kathy Hochul gives it to them on a silver platter, and she gets nothing in return. She has her uh, Supreme Court nominee shot down by both Hasty and Cousins. That's payback. You give us $142,000, agree to the raise, and we'll give you nothing. So she comes up empty. Unbelievable. Back to Biden. I want to mention a couple of things and what he's up to and what he's been up to since day one. He's all caught into this equity nonsense, you know, paying women more than or as much as men. He, for 35 years in the Senate, he voted for paying women less than men. But now he's all about equity and inclusion. Under President Biden's explicit orders, the executive branch is increasingly pushing this racial. Equity. And there's nothing equal about it or equitable about it. It's an exercise in reverse discrimination. New York Post points out more than 90 federal agencies submitted, quote, equity action plans, obeying Biden's order just hours after he took office to create, quote, agency equity teams and use government power to advance racial equity and support for underserved communities. That means black communities, black and brown. Underserved, that's the new buzzword. NPR uses it all the time. Now, he issued a new order, pardon me, in February. All federal agencies must file equity reports and show how they're meeting their equity missions. The term equity has nothing to do with treating people fairly. It's just the opposite. It means preferring some minorities when it comes to, for example, federal jobs and grants. That kind of flies in the face of our bedrock principles, doesn't it? Flies in the face of the Civil Rights Act, for that matter, which bars the use of race in hiring. Depends which race, of course. It's government-funded racism. That's what Biden and his team is engaged in. I'll give you some examples. The American Rescue Plan, so-called, created a $3.8 billion debt relief program That would pay off farmers and ranchers of color up to 120% of their outstanding loans regardless of their financial need. Again, it's redistribution of wealth. Taking money from some and giving it to others. Economically distressed farmers if they're minorities. This is patent discrimination. It's reverse discrimination. That's okay, though. It's open season on white people. Well, not on this white person. I wear my Trump hat... Trump 2020, every day I wear it to work and I get some stares, but I stare these people right down. They don't like it. There aren't many Republicans in Albany anyway. But it's funny, you know, these people, some of these people who get, who get triggered by a red cap are the same people who try to tell us there are 43 genders. They're okay with that. They're okay with men transitioning to women and vice versa. Okay, tr- you know, getting this stuff into schools so they can indoctrinate our children at a younger and younger age. But boy, re- wear a red cap with Trump's name on it. It they can't handle it. Well, they better get used to it. They better get used to it because Donald Trump is going to be the Grover Cleveland of the 21st century. He will win in 2024. I'm I'm, I'm thinking it more and more every day. He's looking better and better, and he referred to himself at CPAC recently as your warrior. I am your warrior. And that's what he is. Ron DeSantis is is a great, a great governor. It would be a great president possibly someday. He's only 44. He's got time. Trump's 76. Trump is a warrior. He knows what has to be done. He's been through the wars. They can't kill him. He's like David in the Old Testament. He's a warrior. There's a place for, for Ron DeSantis, but not now, in my view. I think Trump is the man for the job. He's the man for the job right now. I think he's, he's God's choice to lead this country back to where it needs to be. We, we are the greatest country God ever created. And we're not being looked upon as the greatest country in the world by this administration because it's being run by people who don't view America as a great nation. They hate America. They think it's intrinsically evil, irredeemably racist. They're pulling all the levers and running running the show for at least another two years. Then the pendulum's going to swing back, and it's going to swing back hard. That's all we have time for. Thank you very much, folks, for tuning us in. Don't forget, St. Patrick's Day tomorrow. I, had, I heard uh, Cardinal Dolan today on WABC Radio. He was on with uh, John Casamitidis and uh, former Governor David Patterson. They were great. They're getting set for St. Patrick's Day. New York City is. We're uh, celebrating here in the... Well, I'm going to be celebrating with a sister who's flying in from Nevada. We're going to have corned beef and cabbage, and sing and play the guitar a little bit, and enjoy and celebrate. And it's it's a great time to uh, to do that. It's the end of winter, the end of this nor'easter that knocked a lot of us out of out of power for a couple of days, and it's uh, the spring's coming, and it's time to rejoice. Life is good. Thank you very much, folks, for tuning us in. If you want to get in contact with me directly, it's Pacman P A C M A N at the bmgnetwork.com. If you want to tell your friends about the program, please do that. Hit like, hit subscribe, and hit share. And check out all the fine programming we have for you on the bmgnetwork.com. Thank you for tuning us in. If the Lord wills it, we will talk to you soon. The Pac-Man Podcast was produced and edited in the BMG Studio. Music by Kevin McLeod.